0: With Titan slain, the scions of the Seventh Dawn seem poised to claim another great victory. However, vicious retribution reaches the Waking Sands. And in your time of need, you must turn to an unlikely ally. I'm Nero. And I'm Chain. And this is Radio Free Heidelin.
1: Welcome back, everyone. This week, we're dealing with the fallout, the the consequences of our actions, if you will. Turns out not everyone was a particularly big fan of all that hero business that you've been up to.
0: No, and a little peek behind the curtains here. We were originally planning to cover everything up to the level 41 dungeon,
1: but that
0: portion of the story is far longer and more involved than I remembered
1: yeah in fact actually it's kind of hilarious so titan quest is like the like famously long-winded portion of air that everybody talks about titan quest being really long uh, and they've reworked it a bunch of times to make it much shorter we talked about that what people talk about less is the part immediately after titan which is what we're going to be covering this and next week which is easily twice as long like yes. it is it is so long it's it's a slog it's it's not a portion of the game that I particularly enjoy very much particularly the stuff that's going to happen in Quirithus, but we'll you know we'll get to that next time we have a little bit of content to go through before we get there
0: so we start off Right where we left off, with uh, you having freshly killed the Lord of Crags. Yshtola is waiting for you in Camp Bronze Lake and tells you to, uh, the, you know, to to go ahead and report your victory to the Maelstrom. She has some other stuff to uh, to take care of first.
1: Yeah, a, real, a real busy lady she is.
0: And the Maelstrom is, of course, thrilled to hear that you have have killed Titan and saved the city from, you know, being drowned in tsunamis. Generally a good thing.
1: Yeah, it's not great when your city is under threat constantly of being drowned in, like, five different
0: flavors. So, while you're there, Minfilia gives you a call over the old Link Pearl to tell you to, hey, come back to the Waking Sands. She, you know, does does her shtick. Pray return to the Waking Sands, and everything seems perfectly fine. You pray return to the Waking Sands, and you immediately see that something is off because crowded around the waking sands are a bunch of townspeople who say that they heard like screaming and gunfire from inside
1: yeah not what i would call good omens you know indeed you walk down the stairs and you pop open the door and there's just dead people everywhere every scion every unnamed scion is dead. It's just all corpses in there. In every room, it's just scattered with them. And uh, when you actually get into the solar, the only thing left in there is Naraxia, who is technically still alive. Technically.
0: Naraxia is, of course, the sylph that volunteered to help out with the the scions. I, I am assuming she is regretting that course of action. Yeah, I know I would. I would like to point out that among all of the countless slain generic Scions, there is one dead Garlean. We'll get to that.
1: Yes, we will, we'll We'll get to him.
0: But yeah, like they, you've seen these people basically standing around and having a bunch of incidental dialogue. Only one of these guys was properly named, I think. The, one of them in the back storage room is the guy who pointed you towards the lady in Quarry Mill. I don't even remember his name, but he did, he did, he was someone you had to interact with. So, you know, rip to those guys, I suppose. But Naraxia is still alive, and as the onion reaches desperately up to you, you get a, you get an echo vision.
1: Yes, and in this vision, you see exactly what this attack entailed. Uh, everyone just sort of minding their own business, and then, oh, look who it is, Sir Goodfriend Livius Sauce Junius showing up in her white power armor and just sort of shoots a bunch of people directly in the face and back um, and has all of her dudes go around and clean up while uh, she uh, storms the solar and takes Minfilia hostage.
0: Yeah, so these garlions like explode into the place like they're they there's just a bunch of these dudes along with Livia rushing through immediately killing everyone in their path so I believe this is Livia's first actual speaking role she might have spoken just exceedingly briefly in the introduction scene with Gaius and Nero but I think she might not have regardless this is her first Proper appearance in the story, pretty much. She was with Nero after the Ifrit fight, but she wasn't voiced then. In English, in the English stub, Livia is voiced by Allison Lees Taylor, who voiced Tira in Soul Calibur 5 and various other Soul Calibur properties before 6. I don't know why she was recast for 6. And just like a general anime dub dubber she was someone in like a fist of the north star movie she was in valkyrie profile you know just one of those uh she was cleopatra in the god of war dante's style dante's inferno game one of the okay, funniest video funny. games to ever exist ever lay hands down nothing's funnier in japanese she is voiced by sayaka ohara who is just all over the goddamn place uh, she's urza scarlet in fairy tale and that is that seems to be her like biggest role oh she's beatrice in higurashi i see that lady on twitter all the time (laughs) but yeah she's just like all over the place she apparently voices lusamine in the fucking pokemon gacha game i mean hey you know what Uh, a voice in demand uh one could say but uh, so you you forgot to switch your voice track back to english briefly right so did you even hear her english voice
1: no, no, no! I heard, I heard her voice. I heard her voice. The voice that I didn't hear was, uh, was, uh, was Sid's. But, uh, but we'll get to him. No, I, I heard Olivia's voice and her English delivery. It's it's pretty alright. Uh, it's certainly like I, I think it's in the it's in the upper half of the English voice actors for Arr, which isn't necessarily saying a ton. You know the the Arr voice acting sort of famously leaves a lot to be desired, but I think that it's it's very serviceable. Uh, it gets the job done. She's just sort of a classic kind of posh, evil, military woman type. Not exactly a groundbreaking performance, nothing really breaking the mold here, but uh, perfectly workable, I think.
0: Yeah, and in Japanese she is definitely leaning into this like cruel and and kind of proper but in like a sexy evil kind of way. She's that anime archetype.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I think I actually I like her I like her Japanese delivery a lot. She has like Final Fantasy Fourteen like leans into that very specific like archetype I feel like a lot with its uh with its women villains. Mm-hmm. It gets leaned in way harder later, but uh, but Olivia is like the first kind of taste of of that specific thing.
0: Oh uh, no, that's funny. She uh, she voices a certain other character down the line with ties to this character, which is fitting, I guess.
1: That's hilarious.
0: So yeah, but but she. So one. Th- all right, I got to mention one thing. Menphilia hears gunfire and screaming and stabbing and whatnot outside the solar. Now I, I had Japanese on, so I I heard her go like "kuso" or like "shit." Now the now I, they chose to localize this in a very funny way, where she hears all this and she goes, "Confound it!"
1: Yeah, yeah, it's very funny. Like, why? It's 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 one of so many like little moments of just like and and this is and this is a thing with like Koji Fox's writing particularly I feel where he just really likes this very high fantasy cadence, this like not like Tolkien cadence because I think that would be giving it a little little too much credit. no offense, but I don't know there's like a poshness to the kind of stuff that that he likes to write, I feel. And it's it's so funny when you compare it, when you juxtapose it with the sort of original dialogue, which is so much more on the level, you know, like, oh, your base is being broken into and all your friends are dying. Yeah, you're going to probably say something along the lines of, oh, shit, not "Mm." confound it oh where did i leave my monocle yeah i was about like, to say that's e- what
0: you say when you like lost something you're trying to find anyways we said this localization direction will be changed later on i mean even before fox steps down from like lead localizer this like ex- it, it is the it is a, at its most heightened in a realm reborn and in a certain extent, heavens, were, but by Stormblood, things are being toned down a bit. We are getting a little less, uh. I don't even know where this impulse really comes from. This, le- like, it's hard to identify. I mean, granted, I know at least one of the inspirations that went into this localization because, not to get ahead of ourselves for our next episode, but once we get into Coerthus, the spelling of Sir. Uh, for knights is a spelling that i don't know if it has any historical precedence however i do know where it is very heavily featured and that is in a song of ice and fire the ser sort of spelling yeah, of it.
1: yeah yeah it, it i believe that does have historical precedent i'm pretty sure it does you know don't quote me on that i'm not i'm not a historian but i'm i'm pretty sure it does
0: I would imagine that perhaps George R. R. Martin and Koji Fox are think of themselves as similarly medieval nerds, perhaps one of them is a bit more um well researched than the other. i won't I will leave it up to you on wish who am i who i am uh putting down there, but you know context clues people, yeah, regardless of Infilia's baffling responds to this she tells naraxia to hide and gives gives her a message to deliver Yeah, this this is when livia bursts in points a gun directly at Minfilia's head and demands to know where the scions champion is where you are
1: yeah and Minfilia is not exactly like you know she's she's not willing to share that information thankfully you know she's she's not in the business of ratting out her employees
0: so she offers herself up for surrender on the condition that Livia leave everyone else be and stop killing innocents, at some point, Livia, like, goads Naraxia out of hiding by pretending to try and shoot Menphilia. Okay, now this this bit is always so much funnier than it is intended to be. Because instead of shooting the sylph...
1: Oh my god, I forgot about this bit. ...or
0: slashing her or doing anything... Olivia roundhouse kicks her into the wall. Oh my yeah, yeah, it's
1: it's it's very comedy slapstick, which is the choice is baffling because this is like a really like this is supposed to be a punch to the gut, right? This is supposed to be like a really harsh like wake-up call to the player or whatever. Which I, I think the game does actually kind of a poor job communicating, mm-hmm. but this this is where I think it's the most like a, a little bit out of touch with it because like if you if you want to do like a like a serious death right like you know this this little this little creature like try to defend minfilia and gave its life for the cause like first off you already have a like an uphill battle there because the sylphs are cabbages and you know uh, ascribing those kind of emotions to a silly cabbage patch kid is you know you already have your work cut out for you but <laughs> and then you just have and you have your big scary power armor lady do like a Cartoon roundhouse kick, and yeah, she
0: does a Tekken move on this
1: thing. <laughs> yeah, literally, it's like a Tekken move. It's like,
0: oh god, it's it's <sighs> if you didn't want to have her shoot the sylph, you could have like demonstrated her callousness in other ways. Like, she just like backhands it away and, and slams it against the wall, or just like grabs it by the throat and throws it against the wall. Roundhouse kicking is funny it's It's
1: very funny especially when you're doing it to a creature the size of a football
0: yes that's the problem like it is it it is so wild that she does this to this cabbage and then she cuffs minfilia and says actually i lied i'm gonna kill all your friends anyway except for the main characters
1: yeah capturing
0: those because they're important they have names so we're gonna capture this. So Yurianji, Papalimo, Tataru, and Minfilia are all captured. Uh, this is the bit where there's this dude that she <laughs> that she brought like this one of her troops. She she's like, oh, okay, that's enough. Like they're they're all going ham, massacring the scions, and that this guy repeatedly stabbing a dude with his halberd, and she goes, okay, that's enough, and he keeps doing it, so she just shoots him. <laughs>
1: Yeah, again, another, like, like. okay, the tone problem. This whole scene has such a tone problem. It's crazy. It's, like, it's crazy because, like, this is... So, first off, the game does a really, really bad job, I think, of getting you invested in the Scions as an organization. Something we're going to find out in, like, three quests from now is that the Scions are, like a big organization like a big deal like this isn't just like you're in the mill secret society this is like a private army that deals with like all the primal problems on this entire subcontinent like the the cities don't even bother with that shit it's just the scions so this is like a bunch of very highly trained secret operatives all getting completely annihilated and this is not information that is communicated in any way to you it's like there's just guys milling around you don't really interact with them in any meaningful way you don't
0: like you have have no idea what the scions do like as as far as you know the scions and as far as materially exists in the text of this game currently the scions are the people who meet in the solar to talk about primals all, of the, all these other NPCs hanging out in the waking sands are like, who are they? No one knows. I don't know what they do. They're all dead now, though, and the game expects you to feel something about that. Now, it's, what's funny is, later on, we will be getting a group of, like, minor scions who aren't a part of the main story, but they, you know, they have their own little adventures on the side and they show up sometimes and they're cool to see around.
1: Not, not that happens
0: before this, though.
1: Oh yeah, no. Like, and that and that's great because that's it. it like, gives you like a, a like an anchor to like hold on to and like care about and have like any investment in this organization because there's like characters that you know or whatever. But they did just they neglected to include that in any way in the Scions as they exist prior to Titan. So, when this happens, the game is supposed to, like, like, the narrative hook here is, like, this is a spot you felt, like, safe and comfortable in, and suddenly they have taken that safe space and torn it up and, you know, took all your friends and captured them and that sort of thing, right? It's supposed to be, like, a shake-up moment, you know, like a Act 2-style situation. It just totally doesn't work because you didn't know that much about this organization the people in it and on top of that they just add in either accidental or just poorly placed humor notes into it where this had to like... be accidental
0: this was supposed to be showing like Livia's cruelty and as Oh, she'll even kill her own troops. And but also like the the savagery of the Garlands, They'll just keep mutilating the bodies. But ultimately, it's just like, well, this is just goofy. You're. It's this, so goofy. This lady looks like a fucking Power Rangers villain. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> Not only does she look like a Power Rangers villain, but like the guy who's like, st- like the guy is just going at it. Like he's bit, he's like laughing and just like, like ha, get him, get him with my fucking stabbing stick, and just. Like, and Livy just shoots in the back and he falls forward straight onto his face. It's just like, it's, it's, it's like slapstick and it doesn't work at all.
0: Anyway, the cabbage tells you the message was to seek shelter at that church near Drybone of which, whose name I can't remember right now. And I didn't write down. It's not actually that important. It's the church of Naldthal up there well, near the Lichyard.
1: Yeah, it's that's the church of Adama Ladama.
0: Right. So you head up there and Father Iliud is is there, the the priest in charge. Noraxia gave you a code word to give him before she died. Jeez, you know, wild roses and whatnot.
1: Yeah, the the wild roses are dead. Literally yeah. it's like <laughs> we're not we're not even really bothering that much with the secrecy here just like hey the you know, elbow nudge the wild roses yeah. uh they all died.
0: So Iliad's like, I'm so sorry, my child. Please rest here as long as you like. I will leave you in the care of Markesh, you know, the kind of weird shy guy you interacted with briefly earlier, who is in no way an important uh guy.
1: Yeah, and he kind of walks up to you and you actually get to see under his hood for the first time, and he's got like some goggles on, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, can I
0: Alright, I understand. I understand why he's got the goggles on it's because there's a there's a revelation related to the goggles the goggles in fact do do something it's just very funny that he has the goggles on why why does he have he doesn't know what the goggles are for has anyone asked hey dude what's with the goggles we'll get we'll get there so yeah we'll we'll get there don't worry markesh comes to you with a favor one of the one of the deceased had this like um it's basically a pocket watch. They have some weird word for it, but it's presumably like a like a very fancy one that has, like, the star patterns and whatnot. Like, you know, we you've seen stuff like that before from, like, the 1800s. But it's broken, and he has this, like, urge to fix it. And he thinks he can do it, but he doesn't know why. So he, he sends you to pick up some uh, tools from a nearby goldsmith. He gives you the money. He doesn't need you to pay for it. So he, you know he fixes this pocket watch and he's like i don't understand why i how i did that i don't know what's going on with me and i, I something is missing yeah
1: something's very wrong i will note by the way when you go get the like needle nose pliers from this goldsmith the dude is like obviously gonna try and scam you over these and then you just hand him a cartoon sack of money and he practically shits his pants before he's like oh yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah that's great that's great here i'm just take yep. this you take this and then he runs in the other direction
0: <laughs> yep that dude's having a great day he's the only one having a good day in this plot line here so he tells you to go talk to bring it to, to the sister in charge of this dude's burial rights and this is so this is interesting so she um when you hand it to her she's like oh this is like magitek i wonder if this guy was like a garlean spy what do, do we not have like I guess I don't know what the object is. I don't know how advanced it is. It sounded like a pocket watch to me. Maybe they did a very like,
1: maybe it's a pocket watch, but it's like I don't know. It's got it's like, like a, a digital watch. Weird... Yeah, it's like a digital clock.
0: It's one of those fucking claws you can buy off Skynet that like project the time up in a hologram.
1: Sorry, Skynet?
0: Sky Mall. <laughs> <laughs> now, haven't you heard? Skynet's eBay now. It's fine. Don't worry about it.
1: I'm sure. I'm
0: sure. There's And she's like, and how did Marquesh know how to fix that? Well, whatever. Hey, uh, you're with the Scions, right? They uh, We're we're getting ready to move all those bodies over by the waking sands up here to be buried. Can you help with that?
1: Yeah, well, like, specifically what she says is like, oh, I know your friends all died. I don't know who those That's are. So I don't know them.
0: All of my friends were captured. I don't know who these people are.
1: Listen, listen, I know you're so shaken up about this. You know what? You know what's going to help you the most? You know, I I, I know. I, I do this all the time. Why don't you go and handle their dead, stinking corpses and go load them up onto a wagon?
0: This is <laughs> like one of the most infamous bits of ARR is the, is the corpse interacting section because you go over to the waking Sands and you find a big burly rural guy who's like yeah you should probably hurry up and get him over to this cart which for some for some fucking reason is all the way across town i don't know why this guy couldn't have parked a little closer i guess they didn't want a carriage full of bodies to be loaded in the middle of the town square but just like put everyone inside for like Two hours. Come on.
1: Yeah, literally. This seg this segment's got technology too, let me yes. tell you. So there's oh, there's like <laughs> like every single one of these buys. So they they put some time and care into this one, which is hilarious. Literally every single one of these corpses has a slightly different interact speed. Like, the Rogadin guy takes the longest, because, of course, he's a huge guy, and you gotta pick him, pick up his whole body. But then, like, the Lalafels or, like, Naraxia, they're, like, super fast. You can just pick them up like that. And it's, like... It's just really weird. It's so weird that they put the extra effort into such a, like, weird throwaway moment. And everybody in the moment is, like, weirdly callous and, like, yeah.
0: cruel. This fucking coach guy who's just like, I oh, got four more of them yet, throw them on the back, whatever.
1: I Damn. got places to be, kid. Hurry up with those dead, bu- those dead guys. He,
0: he reacts to you hauling four corpses around like you picked up some extra groceries. like, wow, that's pretty good. Thanks, you saved me some trips. Like, I don't... This, literally the only character with a name in this segment is naraxia who you spoke with once at the end of the sylph quest line maybe
1: yeah literally a faceless character Mm -hmm. because she's got a leaf on her face instead of a face
0: yeah, she doesn't even have the fucked up Cabbage Patch Kid face. She's wearing a leaf mask, so you can't even see that. And at first, I was like, are we really going to give this sylph a fucking, like, Christian burial? Obviously, it's not a Christian burial, but, you know...
1: It's, it's a Christian burial. It's basically burial. a Christian
0: burial. But no, thankfully, they didn't think of that. But yeah, like, I don't know. The, putting all this effort into, like, yeah, the Rogan guy, it, it takes so much longer to pick him up. And it's just like, I don't... None of these characters or anything. None of these characters yeah, had lines yeah. or did anything. It was you didn't even have the one guy who you actually talked to to get to the the quarry mill stuff. Like,
1: yeah, the, and it's it's weird tonally too because it's like all played off as like a joke. And if you inspect like the stuff in your backpack, it's like also a joke. It's like, huh, how'd you fit a whole guy in your backpack? Hmm, that's pretty wacky.
0: I don't know. It's.
1: It's just really weirdly, tonally dissonant. This whole segment just kind of falls apart. Like, it doesn't... You don't feel anything, not only because you don't know the characters, but also because the game doesn't, like, stick to its guns. It doesn't try to make it sad. It's just, like, immediately playing it off like it's all a big joke. Even, like, you're hauling a bunch of dead bodies around and they're just like, oh, let's hurry up and uh, let's, let's get going, everybody.
0: Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention that during, before Livia does a fucking Devil May Cry combo on all of the, all of the unnamed scions, Monfilia is like sort of talking to the the staff on the wall and, and sort of musing that Louisois' light lives on through you. You know, that's important for a little bit later. You head back to the church, having got, done all that, and then the sister goes, hang on, this one's a cab, but you should probably bring this back to little Solace.
1: Yeah, which is a good choice. It's yes. a good choice. You know, they should probably bury their own and, and whatnot with their own rights. Again, one of the few small moments in ARR where they sort of acknowledge the culture and autonomy of the non-human characters. Not a whole lot of those uh, in this segment of the game, but, uh, you know, um, the, the, sylphs, the Sylphs get a few
0: of them, at um, least. Unfortunately... Basically the over at back of little soldiers like, oh my god, this is so sad. She just wanted to help the realm. You better give it to those Imperials good. That's yeah, it. no,
1: they're 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 pretty pissed off, truth be told.
0: They're they're really... more pissed off than the guys in fucking uh Vesper Bay.
1: Yeah, the guys in Vesper Bay basically don't care, but the the Sylphs are like actually like they're they're pissed. They want to go to war and you know again, just it's just kind of weird. That I feel like, like, the sylphs are being given this, like, moment where they get to have, like, this emotional, like, you know, ah, you know, we gotta get back at these guys. Like, cause you don't get that in any way from, like, the scions, cause they've had them all killed or whatever, but I, I, I don't know, I feel like there could've been a way to do this segment that would've just made it a little bit... Anything? Anything, yeah. Like, shortly here, Alphano is going to show up, and we'll get to that in a second. But I think, like, it could have been more interesting if maybe he showed up a little earlier, and you could have had this, like, sort of uh, like a moment after like all the scions are gone and you know you're like damn this fucking sucks we got to get back at these garleans we got to like regroup and and try and get everything back together or or whatever and it just without that they kind of have to put that entire emotional beat on the sylphs who aren't really affiliated with you in any major capacity and who also talk in an extremely over the top and silly way Ugh. that sort of deflates their capacity for dramatic, like tone.
0: <laughs> so I, I hate the way the sills talk so much. It's so fucking twee.
1: It honestly, it's not the twee bit that gets me. It's genuinely tiring to read. Yeah, like it's uh, so wordy. The specific way that they go about it where they can't use pronouns, so they have to specifically say this one, that one, X one, Y one and yeah. stuff and it just it makes reading those paragraphs like much more tiring than they should be. it feels like they take a billion years to get anything out even if they're going through the same amount of text boxes as like a, like anyone else it all just it's it's a poor choice it's a very poor choice
0: it all just like blends together into this word slurry exactly of... it's adverbs
1: it's why the hanar are so bad in like mass effect like nobody likes talking to the hanar because it is like it are takes that, a billion years and it's so grating
0: are the hanar the guys who preface everything with like are they like the robot guys who preface everything with the emotion they're feeling
1: no, no, those those are like the big elephant guys. No, I'm talking about the floating psychic squids who do the exact same thing the sylphs do, but with voice acting. So think think about that one
0: see i've never seen anyone post about them so presumably everyone hates it just as so much as much as you do because i've never seen anybody talking about these things nobody
1: nobody likes to hanar i if anyone out there likes to the hanar let me know but like i can't imagine liking the hanar. it's th- like the most grating shit in the world to me
0: so you go back to this church and you know Alphano is here now And he makes. All right. So, this grand proclamation about bringing back the scions of the seventh dawn would be a lot more weighty if the scions had been dead for more than like three hours.
1: Yeah, and 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 him being like the scions were the most important fucks in the whole continent. This is this is such a blow to Orzia, but don't worry, we're gonna get it all back and more, baby. And it's like, uh, were they? I listen, buddy. I went on like a shopping trip and had a party and then fought a big rock band. Kind of, kind of didn't see.
0: <laughs> I don't know what they do like what do they what did they do for the realm other than deal with primal threats or Gino you know, granted good on them but I don't really get it. I don't really get what the Scions were about.
1: You also don't get a sense that they really did much about the primal threats, because, like, basically you show up, and it's like, damn, so glad we found somebody else with the Echo, and now we can, like, deal with these primals, and it's like... Yeah,
0: because if any of the primals... Like, the only thing they could do was, like, try and stop them from summoning the primals in the first place. If the primals were actually summoned, then... Like, what are you gonna do? Yeah, you, you, you just know?
1: you call up the army and have them throw bodies at them until somebody kills it, and then you take all the all the people who got turned and you shoot them in a firing line and yeah. you bury them in an unmarked grave. That's 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 the fucking plan of the scions, you know.
0: So this this whole thing is well, actually, before Alfano shows up, I forgot there is a bit where. Marquesh tells you that like he feels like someone's watching him. And he's like, I am I am not being paranoid. I literally I went outside and it felt like someone was fucking watching me. I need you to go outside for me and check. And lo and behold, when you check the lich yard, there's a fucking Garlian spy out there. I think literally a um a frumentarius or whatever, like the uh, the actual Roman term for like a spy or a scout.
1: Yeah, so there there is in fact a spy, and he's just sort of lurking around, being creepy. So you take you take care of him. You you get rid of that problem. But uh, but clearly something's going on with Marquez here. Marquez has got
0: some stuff going on. When you bring news of the spy back to Father Eliot, he's like, "Well, that's preposterous. Why would there be a spy?" And then you hand him this Garlean short sword that you pulled off this goot, gu- and immediately he is like, "Okay, call the army. Go, go down to the Camp Drybone and get me all of the fucking Immortal Flames you can you can find because this is real shit." But before anything can happen, that's when Alpha Note busts in and says, "Not necessary." Don't worry, I'm okay. fourteen years old and I'm here to save the world. Yeah, not not to worry, citizens. I, a child, will take care of it. And I need the greatest mind of our generation, Sid Garland. And everyone's like, well, clearly Sid Garland's not here, so I don't know what you're talking about. And Alphano goes, wrong, he's right there. And he points at Marquesh. Yeah, this is the whole thing If where he, he, he talks Sid up real big and, like, eventually Sid's memories begin to come back to him because this whole thing is he was, like, he, he was just, everyone's, thought He was just some poor fuck who was traumatized by Cartano, right? Like one of the survivors of Cartano. And it's weird. I feel like there's some like contradictory. I don't know if there were some things changed or if there's just contradictory stuff with Iliad in terms of like the actual animation and what he's saying, but like it seemed like he knew who he was, but I'm not really sure. Regardless, Sid was, you know, taken care of by Iliad and Alphano is like, you know, it's it's time for you to pick your pick your hammer back up and, and serve the realm once more.
1: Yeah. And then Sid has like a horrible migraine and uh then is like, all right, give me one sec and he changes clothes and puts on his uh his yeah. funny uniform with like the big oven mitt. Yeah, so his outfit can we just talk about Sid's outfit first?
0: Great. It's not great.
1: Sid's outfit is like it's it's a two-tone black and white deal. His arm, so his one arm is just in like a regular like short sleeve or whatever, but his other arm is like in a big padded oven mitt sleeve. Like his whole sleeve is like an oven mitt, and it's like half overalls kind of. Um and he's got this big what I can only describe as like a flask as a pendant.
0: Yeah, I, we should say that the reason he gets these clothes back is because his father, Eliud, just has a box of his stuff. And this is where I mean the like, I feel like there might be some kind of disconnect because the way he hands it to him and the way he, he's kind of talking in Japanese makes me think that like he knew who Sid was and he was giving him time to recover. But the subtitles say, so you're Sid Garland, eh? I guess these belong to you, which is like, yeah, of course they do. What are you talking about?
1: Yeah, again, another really weird bit here. Like, I think it's it's one of those things where, like, Iliud has a line where he talks about you know Sid while he was Marquesh, how he was like kind of a son surrogate to him. Like, it remind like he reminded him of his own son, who I assume died or or something. I'm not sure that. That's ever directly stated, but um, you know it, the 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 scenario for how Sid actually came to be where he was. I don't understand how he got here. It's it's kind of weird because like. I, I don't know if this is stated later, like, maybe maybe in, like, the 2.x patches something gets brought up that I just don't remember, but I, I have to assume, because this church is, like, secretly, like, friends with the Scions, who, again secret organization i i I have to almost assume that like the scions were aware of where sid was because alphano knew where sid was too so i like i feel like probably after Cartano, sid was like you know in a really bad spot and so the scions brought him to the church to like recover over time or you know if that's You know, if recovery isn't on the table, at least somewhere that he would be, like, safe and nobody would really recognize him and try to, you know, like, abduct him and take him back to Garlemald or something. So, you know, I I assume that's the deal, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that... You know, Iliad just doesn't know anything about him. It's just like, yeah, I, I guess you're Sid Garland. That's pretty wacky. I always knew you were destined for greatness. Like it's just a really yeah. weird way to word that. And I would be curious to know if the um if that's what is actually being said in both the English and the Japanese version of the game. Yeah. I, I have a feeling that that's a that's a small change
0: that was made in localization. So I guess we talk a little about Cid. If you're unfamiliar with Final Fantasy at large, Cid is another one of those names that pops up in every game, just like uh, Biggs and Wedge. Cid is normally a brilliant engineer who has some connection to airships, he is like, he's the engineering guy, right? He is the sort of guy what makes all your gadgets. And every sit is different. This one may look old as fuck, but don't be fooled. He's like mid-30s.
1: Yeah, he's just got like a whole grandpa steez going on. But yeah, he's like 28, 32, something like that. Like very much not
0: an old guy. But uh, listen, you know, not, not everybody ages gracefully and this particular Sid does say a few things here. So, in English, he is voiced by Grant George, and unlike most of the English cast of A Realm Reborn, this dude has had a long and fruitful career. He started with anime dubbing all the way back in the early 2000s. He's been on a lot of Marvel cartoon shows as uh, Ant-Man. He was the voice of Sanagiyama in Kill a Kill. That's like a pretty major character he's all over naruto as guys like he's he's been around he was the voice of in in pokemon generations he is like a real guy so i don't understand i mean he the the thing about his performance is he says like he has, like, two speaking cutscenes, I think, so he doesn't get a lot of room to explore the character. No, he but definitely doesn't. Because I've heard him in other stuff, and he's fine, but this Sid is, like, not good. No, it's it's really
1: phoned. First off, it sounds really phoned in. Like, it just sounds extremely phoned in. Literally phoned um, in. Yeah, more or less, and... On top of that, there's just this weird, like, fake British inflection to it. Like, I don't know what that is. I don't know why why he's doing it. It just, it's, I don't know. It's very, like, it's such a disinterested performance. It just doesn't feel like he really got into the character, or maybe he wasn't, like, given preparation to, or, like... You know, maybe he looked at his lines when he was in the studio that day, and he saw that he had, like, four of them, so he was just like, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna wing it, I don't know, I I got, like, I I got lunch and, like, a tea off and, like, 15, can we wrap this one up, buddy?
0: Yeah, truly, like, I think he literally just came in for an afternoon. On the other hand, says Japanese voice is Rikia Koyama who is everywhere. He's been around for fucking ever. He is all over the place. He usually voices see, like big, buff, burly, surly anime dudes with a heart of gold. For instance, he is the voice of Ignis from Promare, the mustachioed leader of fire rescue. Um, he is Saijima from the Yakuza series. He is, he is all over the place. Sid is more, a little nerdier than his usual fare, seemingly. Like a lot of the, like most of these roles are very much like Rowdy Boys of the Heart of Gold. Apparently he is the, the, the voice of Kira from Jojo's part four. Like, so yeah, he's been around. He has been around, um, and he has a much stronger performance for it.
1: Oh yeah, no his his performance is a lot stronger. It's got like he feels like he's playing a character, like you know. Again, not to be not to be mean, but it's god like damn it. He, he actually... was also a
0: Umineko. He was also a Umineko. Fucking hell! Why are there <laughs> How many more Umineko guys are gonna pop up with this game? Oh my god, he dubbed Craig Boone in Japanese.
1: Yay! And it all comes full circle.
0: <laughs> so yeah, that's. That's the this is the those are the kind of roles he plays, right? Like just just sort of buff gruff dudes who have a heart of gold. But yeah, so Sid puts clothes back on, he picks up his hammer and he says, Alright, what do I need to do? And Alphano gives us the rundown. He gives us the rundown. He says, Listen,
1: here's the deal. Garuda has been summoned by the Ixel, and she is tearing shit up over. In the hundred acre wood. Now you need to get your ass over there. And let me tell you how you're going to do it. She's got herself a. Like a a hurricane. Like a whole storm system around her. Winds whipping around. She's in the eye of the storm. There's only one way to get to her. That's right. A plane.
0: (laughs) Yeah I don't really. I guess you got to go over the tornado. I guess that's what you got to do. I think that's what you end up
1: doing. But you don't even. You don't. You just fly through it.
0: I guess we we can't, technically forgot to mention that Sid Garland is the is the foreman of Garland Ironworks. You surely would have been able to figure that out, though. He, he's the chief Biggs and Wedge were talking about earlier. He, this yeah, is the
1: he's, guy. He, he's, he's the chief. He's the, big,
0: he's the big cheese over here. He's the guy who knows how blimps work. And so, yeah, we got to find his airship, the Enterprise, either named after the fictional usss enterprise or the real or
1: like the 78 separate real enterprises i
0: think the one the star trek ship is named after is like the frigate i'm pretty sure that's the one or the uh the exploring ship probably like listen there there have been a lot of enterprises um but it's one of those two more than likely
1: my personal favorite is the one that is a war sloop because it's fun to say war sloop
0: that is very fun. War sloop. Yeah, they, they talk about how Garuda is like, oh, she's so fucking twisted and, and just loves destruction and she's more powerful than Ifrit and Titan combined. All right. <laughs>
1: it's like, yeah, sure. All right. It's like a
0: weird... I mean, it makes well, we sense, right? Are going to scale these guys? Power. It's it's funny after a while they pretty much stop scaling these dudes like they don't make a point of the next guy you fight being stronger than the last because no matter what primals are fucking dangerous and scary like you gotta deal with them like it doesn't matter how destructive or not they are their mere existence is destructive like yeah does it really matter if Garuda is more destructive than Titan. I mean, Titan was going to, like, drown an entire city.
1: Yeah, like, I don't know, 2.0 2. and 2.x, uh, they all are... Like, when, when primals come up, it's always like, oh, this guy's bigger and badder than anything you fought before. Get ready to have your ass kicked, baby. And it's just like... Yeah, it's it's got like a weird Saturday morning cartoon kind of vibe to it in a way that's like I don't know it's it's sort of it's hit or miss, and I think it misses more than it hits.
0: Mm-hmm. And so you set out. Apparently, there's one guy who remembers seeing the Enterprise crash. And it's some fucking dude in the in the woods. I believe this man this man has a very funny name, I think. What the fuck is his name? Because it is a Oh, I didn't write it down. Well you should have, because his name is fucking Vortifart. (laughs) Holy shit. Now presumably you say that like Vortifar, but it's (laughs) V-O-R-T-E-F-A-U-R-T.
1: Oh, what an unfortunate name. Yeah. Yeah, you, you go find this dude out in the middle of nowhere at like a little tower, little little like ranger tower, and he's like, Oh yeah. So you're gonna wanna go up to Elf Town, go to go to Snow Elf Village, and you're gonna wanna talk to the Elf Observatory and they'll have records of all that kind of shit. And uh, you know, conveniently directly behind this guy's little outpost here is the road to get there, how, how, how serendipitous.
0: Yep, and so literally, yeah, just pop right into the the Coerthan Central Highlands, and you walk up to this big fucking tower called the Observatorium, and you talk to this knight of oh, this honorable knight of House Durandair, the one of the high houses of Ishgard, and he turns to you and says, "Fuck off, we don't want any."
1: Yeah, literally, this is your first taste of the elves of Ishgard, the Catholics of Ishgard, and they fucking hate everybody. Like they cannot stand you. You know the you know the French from Monty Python the Holy Grail? <laughs>
0: God, but they don't even have the jokes to back that up. Like they aren't rowdy enough to be those guys. Like (laughs) uh imagine if they were though. I think that'd be that would improve this a lot if like (laughs) it'd be awesome. Like if everyone just had incredibly colorful colorful insults about your mother and you're just like, what the fuck? I just I just I'm just trying to find an airship. Yeah, oh these people do
1: not want to help even a little bit with this airship problem. Like it would not even be that difficult. It would not be that far out of their way. Literally, it's just can you point me in any direction but no they completely patently refuse but you know this guy's like if you're not gonna get out of my face at least you know go do me a favor so you Mm. you go off to go find this dude's like subordinate who didn't like come back for supper or whatever And, uh, and he's getting harassed by a heretic we don't have time, re- we have
0: time to unpack all of that. We
1: don't to unpack that, but we'll get um, into it yeah. next time. Needless to say, they're very, very Catholic.
0: The yeah, so Ishgard is the northern subcontinent nation. I don't. City, they are a nation, city state, thing. city state of Eorzea. they are like they they share the same continent, but they are like separated from the rest of the city states, and their reputation is rather icy they are always wrapped up in their own affairs they weren't even a part during the conflict at cartino they actually recalled all of their troops from the field to do deal with their own bullshit and so the rest of eorzea has not doesn't have a very high opinion of them and you may notice that coerthus is a frozen waste it didn't used to be like that the Calamity sort of did that one. so Yeah,
1: we, we, we talked about that a bit during our 1.0 exploration episode, but, like, yeah, Quirithus, like, in 1.0, was, like, a lush green area with, like, lots of sort of pine trees. Like, it was still, like, a cold place. Like, it still snowed there, but it was, like, it, it was, like a cold but temperate region. Now it is just straight-up Arctic. It is, like, constantly getting blizzard-like uh, like level snows. like just... The
0: long dark basically happened to it, like the fucking geomagnetic storm from the long dark that, that made Infinite Winter basically happened to Coerthus. Maybe that's why they're all so cranky, that and they're Catholic, but we'll talk all about the French Catholic elves when we come back after we start exploring... The Observatorium proper. Like, please expect every location we go to to have a name like that. I'm not even saying the full name. The full name is so much more pretentious.
1: Yeah, it's very long. In fact, it's hilarious because the the name is long enough that it's, like, very difficult to fit it, like on the mini-map, like, at one time. Like, you kind of have to zoom out a little bit to get the whole thing there, which is hilarious.
0: there's lots of people wearing really stupid hats.
1: Oh my god, the hats are so dumb. They're like, you know the, uh, you know the Sugarloaf hat? The Sugarloaf, like, gnome hat? Imagine that hat.
0: But fancy. <laughs>
1: but, well, fancy's a word for it. Imagine it, but dumber. Imagine yeah. it, but, like, with a bunch of sequins and little poofy bits and, like, a and a brim.
0: like like
1: an actual brim
0: yeah so next time we will explore all the the wonderful hospitality of Coerthus and how they're absolutely not Fucked up at all.
1: Yeah. We'll uh we'll get to we'll get to the the lack of uh Co-Earthan hospitality next time. Uh for this time though, that about wraps it up at the the one hour mark actually. And we've got quite a little bit more to talk about after the break.
0: So if you're staying current with us, we will see you two weeks from now to talk all about the Coerthan part of this little arc. But If you're one of our Spoiler Zone pals, then we'll see you here on the other side in a bit. So this this whole bit is interesting, right? This whole thing with the Scions. And we, we discussed the failures of it pretty in depth in the first half of the episode. But this is a beat that is not, you know, it's not it's not an uncommon story beat in stories, period. And also one that is often deployed in this game repeatedly. However, every single time they do this in other places, it is much more effective for one simple reason. In every other time... You had, in every other place, you had the time to understand and connect with the people and characters there and sort of get a handle on the setting. You have no context for these generic scions other than they're just guys who stand around and look at boxes.
1: Yeah, they stand around and look at boxes and you can like maybe get your gear mended with some of them. And it's just, it's just nothing these Meanwhile, guys. later, like even later when the Scions run into issues in other parts of the game, you have people to connect to. You have Hori Boulder, you have yeah. Coltenay, you have Real, you have... Uh, other guy um you you have ochre
0: boulder his brother yeah ochre ochre boulder and that lady who wants to fuck one or both of them
1: yeah we got oh and and Minphilia's mom
0: yeah philemon yeah well, there's, like, yeah, there's philemon. a cast of minor scion characters who you do you like it's always fun whenever you're you're at a new point in the story to see what they're doing around the rising stones and like check in with them, they're usually having doing some fun stuff or have like funny dialogue. So I want to go kind of in order, briefly hitting all of these moments that I think pop up in this game. So number one, obviously, the the next thing that kind of hits this this tries to hit this tone is the end of post ARR, the big cluster fucking old which works yeah, better. Yeah
1: the, the crystal but... the crystal Braves incident.
0: Which works much better, because guess what? All of the people who are, like, in danger of dying are the characters you've been spending time with. And the people doing it are, like, characters you've also been spending time with. And they're betraying you, and it's a big thing. Like, it's got actual dramatic stakes that yeah, aren't does, resolved cause... for a long time.
1: Yeah, it's it's got consequences. It's got huge consequences. It makes the entire... Like, Heaven's Words beginning is basically unique in this game in that it forces you into the next area of the game, not because this is the next area that you're supposed to be going to for the MSQ, But because the game narratively has just said you are a wanted criminal in the entire realm of Eorzea and you have to go to the one place accessible to you where the cops can't extradite you, which is like again it's very unique in this way nowhere else in the game really does that even in shadowbringers where there is that like huge gulf of separation where you're in a completely different fucking reflection of reality you know it's you're you're going and exploring this you're you're going and 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 trying to reach the other side of this in in a way that's like the the stakes are just different. The stakes are not quite the same. I feel like the start of Heaven's Word is really the only point where you're really driven to this state of like running away, style desperation, like you're trying to like escape a force that you can't really deal with. Everything else is you riding out to meet something, but this is like Heaven's Word's beginning is is fleeing from something.
0: Granted, the atmosphere really nails that. However, Unfortunately, because this is an MMO, they can't exactly lock you out of the hub cities. So they make up some bullshit about how like uh, none of the presidents buy that shit, and also there are members of the Crystal Braves who are still on your side or whatever. And like you know, we'll we'll get to the the sort of underconfident writing that plagues some bits of Heaven's Order. They're like they're afraid to let things lie for any longer. Not, not the stuff with, like, the, the stuff that ends up finally resolving everything with Thancredim and Philia in post-Heavens, where all of that stuff is quite good, but the stuff where you rescue Raban in the middle of it is just, like, it it's, it's smacks of not wanting things to, to be dire for so long, and, like, that we gotta fix this. Sort of thing.
1: Yeah. All the stuff, most of the stuff that involves Olda inside of Heaven's Word is really, really clumsily and shittily done. It's just not compelling. It does not resolve the issue in any way that makes sense. There's a reason why the like meme exists of. The like the poster asking the question, "Hey, why do I? When do I get to kill Lallarito? Why do I not get to kill Lallarito at the end of Heaven's Word?" And they're just like so confused about it. And it's like, yeah, me, me too, buddy. Literally, I'm makes confused no sense. myself.
0: It's, it's... Like, the the solution they have reached is, like, we just can't have him in the store anymore. He just, like, we can't put him in the fucking frame because it makes no fucking sense why anyone would want to work with him.
1: It's insane. Like.
0: um, There's one guy. I know there's one guy out there who likes Loretto. I don't know who he is. Whoever wrote 4.1. Yeah, right.
1: Like, somebody on on the staff, somebody who works at Square Enix. They have three favorite characters, and it's Lollarito, Hancock, and fucking Godbert,
0: Godbert Manderville, and like, those are their three favorite characters. Someone is convinced that Lord Lotorito Lord Lolorito is Lord Vetinari from Discworld. He's not. He's just not. I'm sorry. Like, n- he is not, not, not playing the close. game. He is not scheming. He just He literally just used someone else's plan as leverage to make himself richer and i just you know it's we'll we'll get there so the next the next point of like shocking outbursts of violence right and this one is technically different because it's not actually like a sanctuary but it is this huge turn is shinryu summoning at bale wall and that one is more effective just in terms of like the horror of what's going on, right? Like the imagery of it is terrifying as Ilber just turns Baelstar's wall into a meat grinder to channel into this dragon.
1: Yeah, and it's like it's like a horrifying spectacle, right? And then you have the, and the way it resolves is interesting too. The uh, Popolimo sacrifice to try and contain Shinryu uh, in, in the uh, the summoning spell or the binding spell that Louiswa did. And by the way, his works, Luisua's yes. did not work at all. Well, so. to be fair,
0: I, th- I feel like Shinryu was a little bit less powerful than Bahamut. Like Bahamut was some shit. Um, Bahumat was like, he was cooking in there for a while inside that moon. He was getting real mad. Shinryu is still extremely mad, but like, he's fresh. He is not quite as, uh, well aged as Bahumat was. But regardless, I think the, like the imagery like it, it's such a very striking scene of like Ilbird clutching the fucking eyes and and his, his cronies setting off this massacre. Like the, the imagery of like there's just piles of bodies at the end of that cutscene, right? Like just horrific violence to summon this thing. And it's very effective. Like regardless of Ilbert's writing as a character, I think that moment lands very well.
1: Yeah, it's very effective. It does a good job of Building like this sense of dread in you as as like a player. It it does a good job of setting up kind of the stakes, I guess, for the for the start of Stormblood. And mm-hmm. I, I think I think it is genuinely a very, very effective like narrative tool to use and uh and it it ends up working out really well even though it does have like that kind of weird like detour segment where you have to like go wake Omega up and stuff to yeah, deal but then you get it. the most
0: badass fucking cutscene of all time. So really, that's I don't true. Mind. Also, Nero Tolskeva is there, which I'm always a fan of. So like, listen, I don't. That's not a detour to me. That's the main course.
1: Yeah, it's still it's really good to be fair, especially when we get the scenes of Nero Tolskeva with just like the lightning in the background, uh, which is which is awesome. World's but... funniest man.
0: So the third, the next one comes pretty shortly afterwards. It is the slaughter at Railger's Reach at the beginning of Stormblood, which caused you to go to Doma. Um, this one, I think, is is probably the close... Like, it's nowhere near as bad as the, the 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 bit in ARR we're talking about. But I think the main reason this one doesn't have as much impact is just because the the way they portray Xenos in, in the combat encounter is simply not as, like it doesn't sell it as well like the, the the thing where he's invincible and his health just goes on very slowly he's just like it does it, it's it's kind of a tired trope i think everything else around it is more effective like just mefred dying ishtola nearly dying like he just walks through that place and the only reason he doesn't kill everyone is because he's a fucking sicko who loves to hunt but like that 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 one is is the one where like it's this huge change that, that caused you to seek out other other solutions because most of the aluminium resistance got chopped into fucking hamburger.
1: Yeah, like that that whole thing is like I, I would I would argue I think I would have said...
0: waited. I think it should have been like halfway through instead of at the very beginning.
1: Yeah, I definitely think it should have been halfway through. It is it's the weakest of all of the ones that you know not including the the very first here in ARR. It's it's just we didn't have enough time in that one to really get to know Rauger's Reach or the people who live there. Uh, we get, a, like, a little bit of time to sort of establish that, but uh, really not very long at all. Um, and and again, with, with the Xenos thing, they try to do it a little bit a a little bit differently where they have the big threat physically fight you specifically so that you can feel invested in it but the the thing that i really dislike about those specific encounters in store blood with xenos and this this really colors my perception of him as a character and part of why i really dislike him a lot is because it is just contrived it's like you can you can do super well in those fights and whittle his health down like quite a lot until the game just decides you've hit an arbitrary point where it wants to say okay well you lose the fight now like there's a you know the way to do that is you just may like if you want to illustrate an encounter in such a way as that You know, you are outmatched, right? Like, you can put up a fight, but you are outmatched and you can't fight this guy. The way that you should be doing that is you should just have the guy you're fighting have a little more health than you can reasonably deal with and do a little more damage than you can reasonably deal with. Like, you know, something that whittles you down while you're fighting him so you have like that moment of realizing like oh shit i don't have enough resources to actually finish this fight and like you get whittled down and then i don't know you hit like an arbitrary health marker and then it gives you a status effect that like makes you invulnerable but also like gives you like the down and out status like this is not something that would be particularly difficult to have implemented they just didn't go in that direction and i think that that was a really big mistake
0: yeah this is why i much prefer his angle in endwalker like they do much better with him in endwalker than they do in stormblood because they understand that actually the thing about him isn't that he's big guy who can't fight because you never fight him until the end never once do you fight him not once yeah even I mean, even when you're putting the fucking random imperial's body like you don't actually fight him
1: yeah, he's like he throughout all Endwalker he's just like, Yeah, I'm not gonna fight you unless you really want to fight not me, right. so Yeah, and the he, moment's not right. We we you even have your candle at dinner and it's just like uh you know, it's just the it's moment's right. not quite right. You know, the, the love just isn't in the air right now, you know. It, <laughs> God, the stuff with him is so weird.
0: But in Endwalker, it is like he is he is much more of like a cool character concept and much more effective than he was used in Stormblood. Like Stormblood Zenos is we'll get to him, but he's, you know, he's just not he's not the right kind of anime sicko to play off of yet. He's no. just like he's just he's just a guy who loves the hunt and he's supposed to be like your dark mirror in terms of he also loves violence just like you, as even emo player but like in a walker they find a much better way to make him your mirror without just going like whoa he's like you but you like killing stuff but he likes it even more right
1: yeah it's it's
0: dumb so the next one the next incident the next slaughter i guess is in shadowbringers i could talk about home mr switch here but really we don't Visit that place before it's ruined. So the one I want to talk about is the the fort assault by Yulmore m- midway through Shadowbringers, like mid to late way through Shadowbringers. After you've killed a few light Light Wardens, this one's interesting because the slaughter, like you are kind of you would you would think that the Scions arriving would be like ah the heroes are here to stop it, but you don't you can't actually fix it. Like these these Sin Eaters have just been. Murdering people, and you and you can see uh, there, there's so many scenes of like other other people like reacting to it. There's Ardbert who is a shade at this point, and he can he can do nothing but just like watch, and he is just torn up about it because he's a hero too, and he can't do anything to stop this. the 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 soldiers of the Crasterium are just being destroyed by these Sun Eaters, and like yeah, you arrive, you kill the angel lady from the trailer again, and you drive them back, but like. That doesn't bring people back, and it certainly doesn't make people feel much better. Because one of the other important bits of this one, that really helps sells it, is the the reaction. Um. Oh my God! How am I forgetting her name? I'm so mad at myself. Holy shit! How am I forgetting her name? Reen. No, the the exarch's da- like daughter grand- granddaughter. The oh god, bunny. Uh,
1: yeah. Her name starts with an L. What is? Oh god, what is her name? Lena. Yes, it's Lena.
0: So lena you know she has this thing where you 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 end this slaughter but you know people are still dead her soldiers are still dead all around her she's been injured and she has this moment of of, she breaks down and has this moment of emotional vulnerability and it helps this moment land really hard because her english voice actor does a fantastic job as always generally i think the English performances in Shadowbringers are very strong, especially hers. So, like, if there's any expansion you should listen to in English as well as Japanese, it's definitely that one. But, yeah, like, it just nails this moment of the cost of heroics, because, and all, and all that stuff, like, it's just it's just a very strong emotional beat, and you linger on it for a while.
1: Yeah, you linger on it for a while, and I I really like this portion. Like, the Crystarian and its, like, military force, I feel like, it feels very real. The Crystarium, I still think, is easily the most well-realized location in all of Final Fantasy XIV. Like, they try really hard to make uh, Thavnir and Radzatan, like, more well-realized than the Crystarium is. And I think it gets close, but the Crystarium, to me, feels the most like a place. Like, it feels like a place people live and care about and has like a functioning like thing going on and you really get a sense of of this like community defense in in this particular scene with the the fort right with the assault by Yomor. it actually like it, it makes you feel very much like you're you're under siege in a way that I don't think any other portion of the game really gets to the same level. Like, it's, it feels very f- futile and hopeless, but in a way that you still have to keep pushing forward. And I, I think that Endwalker tries really hard to like get there, and it gets really close. But I think Endwalker, it it just it falls just a tiny, tiny, tiny bit just short for me. This brings us into
0: the last one of these that we want, I want to talk about here, which is the final days reaching Thavnir about midway through Endwalker. The uh, the skies turn red, the stars begin to fall, and people are warped into horrible monsters. And the like, we had spent a long time. In Thavnir, before this, like they're like an entire opening quest questline of this, like of, of of meeting everyone and seeing everything, right? So this was fairly effective, despite the fact that I fucking hate Venice body as a dungeon. It's too goddamn long, and the bosses are terrible. I think that as a mood piece, it is very effective, and the bit.
1: Von Va- Vonasvati Va- is like a, is a rough one, but I will say it does hold it holds the record for me as the only dungeon that has actually made me like less effective at playing the video game because I was crying.
0: Right. Was that the uh the, the 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 family being transformed that one poll?
1: Oh yeah yeah it's the family transforms you do that poll and I was like crying as you get as as we got to the boss with the water orb. And it was like actually difficult to do that boss because I
0: couldn't see. And then you you have Vritra's friend who once again I've forgotten the name of my brain is a sieve the characters I actually quite like I end up forgetting the names of, but boy, howdy, I can remember Hancock. I'll never forget Hancock.
1: <laughs> Unfortunately.
0: But he ends up getting killed, and, like, that's the key, right? The key to all of these that makes them more effective than what they did here in the middle of ARR is, number one, you have a connection to a place and a people, either, like, generally or through even specific characters, like you, the, Lena's reactions, the, the sacrifice of the the creature's friend like all of this The the satrap all of this stuff makes these moments actually land this is the almost comical slaughter of a bunch of guys who do nothing but mill around a location you visit every three levels that you never interact with
1: yeah it's 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 the kind of thing that feels that really makes ARR feel as rushed as it is. Like that's the thing about ARR is like it. We know it was rushed, but sometimes that really jumps out at you. And this is one of the portions that it definitely and does. And yeah, like
0: you know, I'm not you know, I'm not saying that Final Fantasy XIV invented this road trip or whatever, but it is one that it commonly returns to. And the differences between quality is stark. It's very stark. The, I am always... It's this this placement. It almost feels like this is like a rough run at the Heavensward setup almost. Like it's a very compressed version of early Heavensward. Because you lose all your friends and you go to Coerthus to find help. Like...
1: Yeah, it's, it is a very like rehearsal. Yeah, this is this is like the dress rehearsal for Heavensward, which is kind of hilarious. Not a good
0: one. Uh, they They needed to do some more work on it. <laughs> Which we will will talk about all of all of next episode. The sort of ignoble introduction of the noble houses of uh, Ishgard and just like all of the weird pre heavensward stuff about Travania. Very strange. Oh god. Very. I don't really know what was Uh, going on there.
1: The uh, the Catholics. Oh, the remember when you say laugh
0: maniacally as dragons invaded Ishgard.
1: God, yeah, no, That's I remember. Cool. What were they
0: doing? What the heck were they doing?
1: Who knows? Were they on?
0: Regardless, that'll be for next time when we brave the wastes of of Ish of uh, it's not even Ishgard proper, like Ishgard's fucking hinterlands. Um, and yeah, well, we will we'll talk all about an imposter inquisitor.
1: Yes, the 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 weird the weird little segment we we lovingly refer to as Witch Drop. Uh but that'll be for next time. So uh I've been one of your hosts, Jane.
0: And your other host, Nero.
1: And we'll see you out there in the wild fields of eorzea